Hi, and thanks for downloading that B Word podcast. This is your beautiful bipolar host, Becky. Well, uh, I guess it finally happened. My therapist has has decided that now is the time to start switching me over to a new therapist. So she did the paperwork and the uh, facility that I go through is supposed to contact me with a new appointment and new information and tell me who my new therapist is and all of that stuff. Ugh, I'm not looking forward to it. And honestly, it takes forever for them to reschedule you with somebody else once this happens. So I'm not even sure that I'm going to get in to see a therapist within the next like month or two. Maybe more. I don't know. It was a long time for this last, for my last transfer. It's just kind of irritating. I didn't want to have to change in the first place. But I guess, I guess it's for the best. I mean, well, it's good for her. She gets a better job. (laughs) So, I don't know. We'll see where, how it goes. Hopefully this other person is somebody that I'm connected, that I can connect with. It's such a hard time connecting with therapists. So it's a process, I guess. Anyway, in news and reviews this week, I've found a couple of articles that I wanted to go over. The first one is kind of a kind of scientific article that uses a lot of big words and it's kind of hard to understand. <laughs> so I'm not going to uh, read it word for word anyway, but basically it is going over the antecedent uh, risk factors for bipolar disorder. If there are any psych- psychiatric symptoms that can, can identify young people who have an increased risk of getting bipolar disorder. And the article is it's on bphope.com and it's can early symptoms predict bipolar disorder? Evidence shows differing patterns of risk factors. And there are a few that they identify and it looks like they identify two patterns. One, a homotypic pattern, which is basically mood associated symptoms that are not quite to the standard diagnostic criteria for bipolar, like mood swings, depression, excitability, stuff like that. So the homotopia patterns generally were not as likely to develop into bipolar disorder, but people with bipolar disorder that got bipolar disorder seemed to have this early on as well. So not everybody who has these symptoms got bipolar, but people who got bipolar had these symptoms. And there's also a second pattern, the heterotypic pattern, and it consisted of different types of symptoms, not necessarily like the mood swings, but early anxiety disorders, attention disorders, behavior disorders, like ADHD. They call it low sensitivity, which means it's that not everybody that has these behaviors is gonna develop bipolar disorder later. And it also said it had low specificity, which is the metric of how they determine if people with bipolar disorder generally showed these symptoms. And this was low on both ends. So relatively few with such symptoms develop bipolar disorder and many young people without, without these symptoms also develop bipolar disorder. So it seems like there's less of a link there. I'm not even sure why it's a second type, but it's there. Now, it also associated other factors 
and I thought these were actually more interesting, but, but, but the other factors with an increased risk were, were um, preterm birth, which is interesting, head injury, uh, drug exposures, especially cocaine, uh, physical or sexual abuse, and other forms of stress. It does go on to say that the sensitivity and specificity are low for that one. It's interesting because almost all of those have some so- sort of effect on your brain when you're young. Uh, obviously, preterm birth, head injury when you're a child, and exposure to different drugs, I guess, especially when you're young, could definitely change the pathways in your brain. And I've heard that, you know, trauma when you're young actually kind of rewires your brain. So that kind of makes sense. So hopefully some of this will lead to early treatment for people who are showing risks for bipolar disorder. Uh, Although before that can happen, the information has to get out into the hands of people who can act on it, right? Like parents and teachers and caregivers and things like that. So it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but it's heartening that they're, that they're uh, looking for that kind of thing anyway. There was another article that I found this week in Scientific American, and it's called Autism Shares Brain Signature with Schizophrenia and Bipolar Disorder uh, by Nicolette Zelliet. And I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, and I'm not going to read it, but it's basically what the title says, right? There are different gene expressions in the brains of people with autism and they are similar to people who have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. They found this out by doing studies of brain tissue of people who have passed away. The study for the first time can be used to define cross-disorder genotypes, I'm sorry, phenotypes that are shared and distinct. So, so that means that since it's the same phenotype, people who have any one of the three conditions might have things in common like language problems, irritability, aggression, things like that, which I know holds true for me. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. The rest of the article is really scientific and I don't think it's going to be of any interest for me to just like go through different types of brain cells, blah, blah, blah. But I thought that was an interesting sort of note. It seems like I'm seeing a lot of articles that are saying that bipolar disorder and other mental disorders are more linked than previously thought. Schizophrenia, autism, bipolar disorder. It kind of makes me think that if they can find those links, then hopefully uh, they can start tailoring the medicine to that specific sort of phenotype, like they were saying. I found another article that kind of touched on that a little bit. It was mostly just a rehash of what bipolar is and different therapies for bipolar but it does say that they're trying to like take different treatments and tailor them to people who have certain biomarkers like they're basically taking genetic markers and then trying to tailor things to those genetic markers which I don't know seems kind of optimistic so yeah personalized bipolar drugs that would be cool maybe we could only need one then instead of a cocktail of three or more So my guest today is Brittany. She's a listener who wanted to share her story, and I'm really glad that she emailed me and and called in because it was a 
fun chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Brittany. This is Becky. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay, great. Um, What did you want to talk about today? Well, I just wanted to share like what I've like gone through because like I know your podcast, like you're bipolar. And so mm-hmm. it's been really hard to like find people on podcasts that are bipolar. Mm-hmm. And so like I recently got diagnosed with bipolar two almost two years ago. And it's been a really rocky road ever since I got diagnosed personally. Mm-hmm. I started out with taking lithium. And at the time, like I never got my blood levels checked. So we never had a baseline so when I finally did get my levels checked my psychiatrist was like well you know I don't know if this is a good point because we didn't know your levels beforehand Mm -hmm. so she's like just keep taking it and like I was in a really bad relationship at the time like I didn't realize how bad it was until I finally got out of it and so like I was smoking a lot of pot at the time Mm -hmm. and it just like it started like just there was this one turning point that it just started going downhill really fast. And I was just like, okay, I'm kind of used to this. This is fine. Like whatever. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And so it kind of came to a point almost a year ago when I was in a fight with my then boyfriend and like, he's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I'm suicidal. I've been suicidal for 11 years and I've never told anybody and you're the first person I'm told that's what's wrong with me. And he mm-hmm. was like, you need to tell somebody. And I was like, no, I already know what's going to happen. It's like, I knew what would happen if you told a psychiatrist, like if you were suicidal and you had suicidal thoughts and I just like, I was never ready for that. Mm-hmm. And when I like finally got to the point that I was ready, basically, uh, I ended up taking five days off of work and it it was like the worst possible time too, because my dad, he works overseas. He used to work. No, he still works overseas. And uh, he was actually leaving to go overseas the next day. So basically the night before I was like, Hey, you need to come in to my psychiatrist because we have an emergency going on. Sorry. (laughs) And basically what ended up happening was I went and saw my uh, psychiatrist right away Uh, My therapist had me come in basically every day. And at the time, I didn't know anything about short-term disability. And I didn't qualify for FMLA because I had just started my job that Mm -hmm. September. Yeah. So I, when I finally came back, I ended up getting written up for those absences because they weren't protected. Oh, gee. Yeah. So I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, I was sitting there, like, I, I got my meds adjusted. So at that point, I was not on lithium anymore. I was... I like I'm on Lamictal right now, which was what she put me on and um, Geodon mm-hmm. too. And then Xanax, because I also have like severe anxiety, which, you know, so fun. <laughs> and so basically what ended up happening was like everything was going fine. And then it's just like I could tell I was slipping and I was like, no, it's cool. Fine. Ignore it. It'll go away. And then um, I started actually getting physical symptoms of like my mental health and stress and everything. Mm -hmm. When I would drive to work, I could barely keep my eyes open, even though I had eight hours of sleep. I was so dizzy and I just like I couldn't concentrate. And I was like, this isn't good, but it's fine. Like, it's good. We're we're just going to ignore this. Ignore it long enough. It'll go away. Right. That was was my concept back then. If you ignore it long enough, it'll go away. Everything will go back to normal. And it kept happening. And so then one day it was like the day after it was either the day of or the day after I had actually gotten run up, which was like about three weeks later after I'd been gone for five days. I ended up getting suicidal again. And as I left work, 
I ended up calling my, I was still, he was still my boyfriend at the time. And I called him and I was like, you need to talk to me. He's like, well, why? I was like, if you don't, I'm about to drive my car off this bridge right now. And he's like, oh, okay. Like I'll, I'll talk to you. And so that was like the first time, like I'd actually was like, I'm going to do something. Somebody doesn't answer. This is going to go bad. And so that happened. And then like, I didn't tell anybody because I was like, no, it's fine. We're good. We're going to handle this. Just keep doing what we're doing. Even though like, honestly, it wasn't working. I was just being stubborn because I don't ask for help. And that's the biggest thing is I'm really stubborn and I don't know when to ask for help until like, I pretty much have the gunshot wound and I'm like, hey, I'm bleeding. Can you help me now? (laughs) I I could have prevented this, but I thought I could deal with it. So what ended up happening was like my mom had found out like I was leaving work early because of the physical symptoms of the stress and everything. And so basically in the middle of March, like a week after I told my boyfriend I was going to drive my car off the road, I told him, I texted my mom. I said, I'm falling asleep at the wheel. Like I'm about to have to pull over because I I can't drive. I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And she's like, if you don't feel safe, then don't drive. And but in the back of my mind, I was like, I have to go to work. If I don't go to work, I'm going to lose my job and I can't do that. So like I ended up going to work. I ate something and it was not getting better at all. It was like the worst thing I ever experienced. I was really lethargic. I was falling asleep. It was it was awful. And I told my mom and she's like, all right, I'm coming to pick you up and taking to you to the ER. And I was like, no, 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 please don't. I was like panicking. I was like, oh, no, oh, this is serious. So. I ended up leaving work and I sat and I waited in the lobby for her and she finally picked me up and she, something's not working. She's like, something's obviously wrong. And because you don't know what it is and I don't know what it is and your doctors don't know what it is. I'm taking you to the ER. And like in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is going to cost so much money. Mm-hmm. Like I was panicking. Did you so not have like, insurance for, through your job yet? Um, I'm on my dad's insurance. Oh. So like, I'm very fortunate with my dad's been very, like, very helpful with, like, my insurance and helping me out through all of this. So I guess in a way, like, I knew it was kind of covered. But at the same time, I was panicking because I was like, I don't want to cost my parents even more money than I have. Right. Yeah. It's still not cheap, even if you do have insurance. No, it's not. Like, I'd been to the emergency room before for something minor, and it was a $500 bill. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this, how, how expensive is this going to be? So... She ended up taking me to ER. I started having the suicidal thoughts again, and I was trying to figure out a way to do it at the hospital. And, like, the nurse asked me, she was like, are you suicidal? Do you have a plan? I was like, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. She left. And I, I turned to my mom, and she was like, what? And I was like, I lied to her. I was like, I have suicidal thoughts because I also knew if I told them, they would have to hold me. So uh, in the back of my mind, I was like, if I don't tell them, I can get out of here, and everything's just going to be fine. Even though I metaphorically had a gunshot wound and I was like I'm just gonna put a band-aid over it we're good (laughs) so I ended up telling them and they of course had to admit me and then when they found out that I had a plan they're like all right we're moving you to a room with cameras and I was like okay and then they were like we're ordering a psych evaluation I was like okay (laughs) I like I mean this was two years ago so I was 23 and I was just like oh this is gonna get worse this is just gonna be even worse and it took like three or four hours for the psych doctor to come in and she like was she was super sweet that was the one thing I remember she was so sweet and she was all like you know I need you to be honest with me your mom in the room still and I turned to my mom I said I'm gonna be brutally honest with her you can't get upset Mm -hmm. because I was like there there was a lot of stuff she didn't know so 
I was brutally honest with this lady and she was like, after a while, she's like, all right, you need to go an inpatient. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, sometimes, wow. Somehow you never really expected that. No, like I I never, like they had kind of, I'm not going to say they threatened me with inpatient, but they were trying to get me to go to inpatient a couple of weeks before when I had first admitted I was suicidal, but I talked my way out of it. Mm-hmm. Not a proud moment, but I was just like, I read reviews online and they only have two stars and there's nails there and they can hurt me. And my mom's like, that's, that's not how it works. But I was like, but the reviews. <laughs> and so basically like I didn't go, but I ended up going to inpatient a couple, actually like 30 minutes from my work. It was about an hour from my house and it was an all women's unit. They only had 10 beds and yeah, it was really nice. And here I was like, I had to ride in the back of an ambulance, which I mean, cool. Got that checked off my bucket list, but it was not a fun (laughs) ride because I was, I, I was like, can my mom take me? And they're like, no. I was like, why not? They're like, we've had too many people jump out of the car and accidentally kill themselves. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll be compliant and ride in the ambulance. And so, like, I gave my mom this huge list because I've never been impatient before. So I was like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. I can bring all my soaps and my conditioners and my face wash. Oh, it was a rude awakening when I went there. They're like, you have to take out your nose ring. And I was like, if I take it out, it's going to heal up. They're like, well, you can hurt yourself with it. And I was like, I was just like, this is a little stud. I'd have to try really hard. (laughs) They're like, well, you can still hurt yourself. And I was like, okay. And then they went through my bag and they they just were... They're like, you can't bring this in. You can't bring that in. And I only got to bring in like five things out of like probably the 30 I brought in. And I was like, oh, okay. And it also was late at night. So it's like I had missed dinner. I got a little bucket and they're like, this is your bucket. You can can only use the stuff in this bucket if you come to us. And I was like, I don't even get to keep my toothbrush in my bathroom. I was like, okay, this is a little scary. Mm -hmm. So it was really emotional like to say like bye to my mom because like it was just like really emotional for me because she had been my rock like I ended up getting evaluated and they're like okay well we're gonna increase your your drugs up a little bit and then they gave me some sleeping drug which did not work but Mm. it did the opposite like they're like here take this and I was like okay cool I can sleep because I have issues sleeping in general and when I laid down to sleep besides the fact that I cried after that I had just seen beauty because it was the weekend beauty and the beast had came out. So I just seen that. And so I had like the song Gaston stuck <laughs> in my head going over and over oh, no, of all the songs to get I stuck like, in your head. I know. I was just like, oh, it's on repeat. Cause I only remember up to a certain part and now it's starting over. <laughs> and it was, it was really hard because like, there was no, like, it was just so foreign to me. There was no toilet seat, like lids, seats on it it was just like a bare toilet and I just like there was no privacy except in the bathroom and the first day I was there there was a lot of women that were actually getting discharged and they were really sweet they're like you did such a good job coming here like you're 23 like you you're really good because like you just learned that you're bipolar you can handle this now and I was just sitting there like I want to go home <laughs> please take me home and it wasn't It wasn't a bad experience, but it wasn't a good experience because after they ended up leaving, basically, like, the other patients weren't coherent enough to do, like, groups or, like, group activities. So my mom just brought me a lot of books, and I just would sit there, watch TV, and read the whole time. And just, I'd call my dad here and there, call my grandma here and there, call my mom, and then just go back to reading. And that's what I did for about five days. And it was, I always, like... 
I'm I'm engaged now and like my fiance and I have already talked about a plan basically what to do if something like that happens again mm-hmm. and like I've already told him I said you're taking me back there it might not have been the best worst experience but I'm like I feel safe there right. and it was weird when I got out because like I I'd never really experienced a true manic phase I always like was like oh I just get really hyper and then like when I got out I was like super like I was on a high for like five days I was just like oh look at this food I want potatoes I want chicken (laughs) like my mom took me to supermarket and she just looked at me she's like are you okay I was like I've been eating sandwiches for the past five days food (laughs) looks really good right now and so like I ended up doing intensive or I think it was like intensive outpatient and then partial hospitalization Mm -hmm. or flip-flopped so I would yeah I ended up going to a place that was literally in the same building as my work and so like no one at my work knew what was going on but I was on short term so like they just knew I wasn't there and I was like all right well I hope I don't see anybody because this is gonna get really awkward yeah wow yeah (laughs) so so I did that from so from March till June was when I did basically all the therapy and like it helped a lot like I developed a lot of coping skills and everything got really good like things started getting better the only downside to all of it was I became really antisocial because I realized no one knew what was going on. And like the few friends I had at the time basically just dropped me because I refused to go out with them. I was like, no, I, my mom can't come. I don't feel comfortable. And like I just I hung on to my mom like she was a safety blanket and it it was really hard to start socializing. And I mean, I still sometimes I still struggle with that now, but it's just. It was really hard then. And like, so everything like basically stem, I went okay. I ended up getting back together with the guy who was absolutely horrible. He was very verbally abusive and he, he was, he, I'm going to say he was slightly physically abusive. Like he didn't punch the crap out of me, but like he had this weird thing where I couldn't touch doors. And if I did, he would punch me or kick me. What? And yeah, like, Oh, sorry. That happened to you. That's, that's really strange. <laughs> strange though. yeah I don't really it was understand that. I don't I never understood that either but like after the relationship I was like I kind of was doing like self-reflecting and I was like oh I've actually never been in a healthy relationship ever it was like the guy before that I'm like he shot a gun off in the house oh he, yeah that that was a fun one he shot a gun off in the house he threw his phone at the wall and then caused a hole in the wall and then blamed me for it and it was it was it was just like after getting out of where I was at, I just realized basically like all this stuff had happened to me and I was just so oblivious to it. And it was just crazy to me how much like I had put up with because kind of going like super way back because I was talking to my fiance about it. And I was like, you know, I've been bullied since like second grade. He was like, what? I said, yeah, every year it was just somebody new. And the worst of it, basically the first time I got depressed was this isn't about a bully, but this is basically about the first time I got depressed. My dad and I got had gotten into this huge fight. And like a week before, my mom wouldn't let me cut my hair off. Like, no, just think about it. We can take a few inches off. And it was like when Pasha Spice hair was like (laughs) super short. And I was like, no, I want to cut it. And I had super long hair. So I understood why. But like him and I got into this huge fight. And so I was like, I convinced my parents, go to your friend's house party without me. Like, you don't need me. Like, I got in trouble. Let me stay home and be punished. They left. I cut my hair off, loaded a backpack up with all the stuff I could sell. And I quote unquote ran away five miles down the road. 
<laughs> in the middle of a Texas summer. And needless to say, when I called my parents, they were very traumatized, especially <laughs> my mom, because she found a bag of my hair and she like cried over it. I was like, okay. I'm like, I'm the one that has short hair now. But because of that, I ended up getting grounded, which was like completely understandable. But it was to the point where pretty much like my socialization in eighth grade was going to school. I didn't have any socialization with anybody else. And I ended up being grounded from about from the start of school till the February of the next year. And like my mom and I have talked about it. And she's like, well, you weren't doing good in your school. You were getting C's. And I was like, I was depressed. You really think I would get good grades? Like, it was just one of those crazy things. And then just going over like some of the things like I went through and like, I really want to talk about them, but because like, because of my parents, I don't feel like I can. And it's not like, oh, I think they're going to get mad at me. It's just, it's very personal stuff that yeah, we stuff went through. Wouldn't want getting back to them. Yeah. Like, know. yeah. Like, especially if it goes on a podcast, cause yeah. like, you can't, you can't take that back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's out nope. there forever once it's up there. Yep. And it's just like, I kind of feel like I'm all over the place right now because I'm like, I'm like, I got the main point I wanted to get. I'm like, I survived, kind of. Well, I mean, not kind of. You're still here. Yeah. I mean, like, to add more, like, drama to my story. Well, it's not really drama, but pretty much a week ago, I just started, I started a blog Monday. I've had it for two months. I finally posted something Monday. I'm really bad about, like, oh, I have this great idea. I'm going to do it. And then I (laughs) never do it. Like, I bought like when I'm manic, I buy stuff and I have eight books sitting on the bookshelf. And I haven't touched one. <laughs> and then the fiance got really mad. He's like, how much did you spend on the books? I mean, if you average them at about $10 a pop, I'm $80. He's like, you better read them. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> haven't read them since. But basically last week, I don't know what happened. It's like a switch flipped. And I just, I got to that point again. I was like, all right, people would be better if I wasn't here. I just like, I'm not worth like. What's the point of living? I don't even understand. It's going to sound so silly, but my fiance and I were talking about kids and me being like the logical one. I was like, okay, how much is it going to cost to have a kid? I'm like, okay, so this is how much money you need to bring in. We can't do that. We can't have kids. Okay. Well, what, what's, what, what do I do with my life now? I go to work, I come home, I pay bills and I do it again. And so I pretty much, I think I based, I had the meltdown because I was just like, I didn't understand like what the point is in life. If you can't have kids, which I know people don't have kids, I'm not saying that they're doing anything wrong either, but it's just like I had this crisis and I was just like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm like, I had my plan, had everything, ended up telling my fiance, he told my mom, who then told my dad, who then I had to call. And so <laughs> it it just got, it was really like, they were all like trying to understand. They were like, this doesn't make sense. Like you were fine Saturday and now you're like, I'm going to kill myself. And I was like, yeah, that, that. That's kind of normal for me to experience. I just don't voice it. It ended up getting a lot worse that night because my mom's like, you need to go back to where you were. You need to go back to inpatient. And I was like, no, you can't send me there. I'm like, I'm not going. Like I was flat out refusing. I was being super stubborn. And it was to the point that I almost had the cops call to me because I was not going to do anything. And my poor fiance, I've only known him six months, six months. We got engaged two months into our relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah. And poor him is just getting thrown into the middle of this. Like, he's like, no, I know what to expect. I'm like, no, you don't. Like one day I'm happy. One day I'm like, I hate you. Go away. <laughs> You're breathing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 
so poor him had to go through that and it was just like after I saw how it affected him like I went and I got help again and like I got my meds increased and ever since then it's been really good because I've also been like making sure I see my therapist every week too yeah Yeah. once in a while you just need to get your meds adjusted yeah they stop working it's kind of unfair (laughs) it is because it's like your body gets used to it and I'm like because she my psychiatrist ended up telling me she's like you're on a really low dose of lamictal she's like we'll bump you up to 200 and I was like oh cool and then she's like she's very apprehensive with me and Xanax because she's like I don't like giving people Xanax because Mm -hmm. it's very addictive I'm on 0.5 milligram and it's extended release but at the same time she's also like here's propanol just like take that when you're feeling anxious it's a beta blocker and I was like all right cool I don't Hmm. Because I'm stubborn, too. I'm like, oh, I'm having an anxiety attack. All right, I'm going to take it now. I'm like, not like when I start freaking out, I start having those obsessive thoughts that mm-hmm. I decide to take it. It's just the normal, oh, gunshot wound. Okay, now I'm going to treat it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like not an opioid. It's just uh So it's, it's actually a blood pressure medication. And it has a beta blocker in it. So it stops the fight or flight response and so that's why she gave it to me because she's like well with anxiety it activates the fight or flight response so she's like this blocks that so it stops the physical symptoms but you're still dealing with like your head freaking out so you don't like Hmm. physically feel anxious which in turn calms me down because i'm like okay yeah that's what she told me i may be completely wrong like other people might know more than i do i'm just going off what she told me well i mean that's good yeah i can understand why she doesn't want you to uh to uh, use them all that much (laughs) yeah not take too high of a dose either yeah because when i I, when I first started taking them, my mom was like, you should go a day without taking them. And I was like, I don't think it's a good idea right now because <laughs> I just got out, but okay. And then like I had to drive home 30 minutes after leaving the house. And she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I just had an anxiety attack returning a movie, uh, Redbox. She was like, really? I was like, yeah, I started panicking because I thought I didn't have any time for anything. And I was running out of time. And I was like, it just it happened. I was like, oh, there's no time. I can't do anything. Panic. Oh. And so I was like, I just had to run home for that. Yeah. It's really nice that you have your mom that you guys have, you can talk to her about. Yeah. You know, it, to me, I'm like, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I will share this at least. My parents actually ended up getting divorced when I was 16 and, um, I didn't speak to my mom for two years. Yeah. So like she used to, like, we used to be really close when I was younger and then I didn't talk to her for two years. And then cause of what happened, like it took a long time for me to like get really close, but then like when she was basically there going through everything with me, like basically being my rock the entire time. It's when like, I was brutally honest with her about it and I didn't know you were in pain that long. And I was like, I hit it really well. I'm really good at that. Yeah. Of us are. <laughs> I don't, yeah. It must be some sort of coping mechanism that uh, you develop if you if struggling for counseling. Yeah. Cause I mean, like when I was younger, I got dep- I diagnosed with depression mm-hmm. and like anxiety. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm like, I know this. Whatever. No one ever suggested like I was bipolar because I'd always seen them when I was really low. And no one ever asked me, do you have high? And so I started noticing because um, I was put on an ADD medication, oh. which was, yeah, because um, they, they're like, you have a mild form of ADD, and they're like, here's some medication. I, I never went back to that psychiatrist, but I started taking it, and I was a server, and one day, it was like a weirdest day, I got pulled over by like a bartender, and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? She's like, you're barking at the kitchen, <laughs> and you're, you are 
you were basically like in the nicest way possible. You're being a bitch. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, well, I mean, this is normally when the ADD medications like kick getting out of my system. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, maybe it's that. And then I basically went home in the same night. My parents were like, we need to talk to you. And I was like, are you going to tell me I'm being crazy and like aggressive and like unreasonable to talk to at night? They're like, yep. I was like, all right. I'm like, I can't take the ADD medication anymore. And once I stopped taking that, it's like, I think that just kind of like kind of enhanced the mood swings, but I never noticed them. I was just like, oh, I'm me. I'm unique. I'm up. I'm down. I'm up. I down. And without the medication, I was living in a constant thing of rapid cycling. And I worked at a salon for a little bit, like right before I started my current job, no, almost two years ago, this September, um, like before I left and before I went and saw the psychiatrist I saw now, they're, my boss pulled me aside and was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? She's like, you really need to do something. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, we never know what Brittany we're going to get when you come through that door. You might be happy. And then somebody says something and you're in the worst mood for the rest of the day. But then you might get upbeat again. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I kind of was like, something's going on here. This isn't normal to like go through this many emotions a day. And so when my therapist finally referred me to my psychiatrist she was the first one to ask well do you experience like highs and I was like yeah I was like I get like when I get hyper it's like kind of uncontrollable and people are like you need to calm down and she's like do you have like spending problems I was like yes (laughs) I have a JCPenney credit card I can spend at Sephora I have spending problems lots of spending problems with that and so credit cards are evil (laughs) Yeah, I accidentally signed up for that JCPenney credit card. And to this day, they're like, yeah, you could still use your JCPenney card at Sephora. I'm like, oh, don't tell me that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I need this face cream that's $50. Far too something. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, I try not, like, I'm, I've started, like, learning when I'm getting manic, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can be like, I'm going to go window shop online. I'm going to put them in my wish list. So then when people are like, what do you want? I can be like, I want this. And then, then it ends up having, like, I have a hundred things in my cart. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> right. we, need, we need to go through this cart and clear it out, like, now. But going back to, like, the psychiatrist, like, I still remember when she was like, I think you have bipolar, too. And I was just like, in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, I'm crazy. This is confirmation. I've totally lost my mind. And because, like, to me, bipolar had such a bad stigma that mm-hmm. I was like, I'm one of those people now. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my gosh. And so I don't even remember anything she told me. I was just like in my own world, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, what does this mean? And then she's like, you don't have bipolar one, though, so you're not hearing voices. I was like, oh, my God, you can hear voices. I'm like, I hear a voice inside (laughs) my head. But I was like, but that's me talking to myself. I'm like, is that normal? Should I say something? But we're not going to say something because then it's just going to make things worse. (laughs) So it was just like I got hypersensitive to everything. And so. When I finally came out and I told my mom, I'd been there with me. I think she was in there with me, maybe. I think, no, I called her. I told her, I said, I have bipolar. And she was like, well, that explains a lot. And I was like, (laughs) how long did you think I have this before you thought, you you know, you might say something? Because I'm over here in La La Land thinking I'm okay. And of course, like, going full circle, that's when I started the lithium. And I still remember, like, the first day I took it, it was just like, God, this is what a normal person feels like (laughs) i was like i'm not even having mood swings i was like i didn't even know i was having mood swings 
but I'm not having them. I, I'm actually happy. Like I haven't felt happy in like years. And I, it was just, it was such a weird experience. But then of course it started going downhill from there. And now it's on the managing it day by day. Yeah. Yeah. So is Lamictal the only thing they have you on right now then? Um, yeah, I'm oh, on Lamictal. Except for the, I'm, yeah, you said the Xanax. I'm on Geodon and Xanax. Yeah. So I'm just on those three. Yeah. So. Geodon's supposed to be one of those ones that doesn't make you gain weight. So that must be nice. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think lithium makes you gain weight because, yeah. oh, I gained 20 pounds in like two months. Yeah. And like, I still see pictures of that. And I'm like, how did I let myself go? Like, I was drinking a lot of beer at the time. Like, I know you're not supposed to drink alcohol, but like, I was, yeah. I was like, woo, party. Even though I'm taking yeah. meds that say don't. Oh, you really can't, though. I had a. Uh, yeah. I had a friend who was taking Seroquel for vibe, and she's also drinking a lot at the time, and it gave her the, oh, God, I can't remember the word now, where you have um, uncontrollable movement. I can't remember oh, the name of it. Tardite dyskinesia. Like yeah. Oh. Yeah, and they never went away, so she oh. had that for the rest of her life. Yeah. Oh, you can't drink. <laughs> yeah, I've, since, like, this, probably since this year, I think since I got engaged, I've actually like stopped drinking. I'm like, oh, I'm not much of a drinker. Like I'll have a Bloody Mary, but mm. I don't, I don't like drinking anymore. Cause that used to like when I was younger, that was one of my worst coping mechanisms was I get basically belligerent drunk. Right. And then like the next day I go to work and I was like, so this weekend they're like, let me guess you got drunk. I was like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> You're right. Let me tell you about what craziness happened this weekend. And so when I was younger, I always had these stories of what happened. And now I'm like, I sit at home, I play video games. <laughs> My fiance begs me to go outside and I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to stay home. I want to fold laundry. But like, I just like, I have to say this, like, I feel so bad and like sympathetic for people that are mar like getting married and they have mental health problems because it is the worst thing ever. <laughs> it is the biggest stressor that I have ever experienced. And thankfully, like my mom, like my mom is amazing. Like she's like, I'm taking care of this. Like I'm booking the caterer for you. Approve the menu. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. Like got the venue. Like we got a lot of stuff down, but she's like basically taking charge. And like, she's like, let me handle this. You do this. You take care of the bridal party and I'll take care of everything else. And I'm like, okay. Nice. Yeah. Because that yeah. can be very stressful. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, even with bridesmaids, it's still stressful. You're like, okay, well, what dress are you going to wear? What color? Oh, I'm changing my colors now. And okay, well, what are the guys going to wear? Okay, we decided. Oh, now I want them to wear like suspenders. And <laughs> it's just like, they'll leave thinking we're all on the same page. And then like two days later, I'll be like, hey, so, you know, I was thinking about what we talked about. And I don't like that anymore. They're like, can you just pick something? I just, I feel very sympathetic for other people that are going through it. Because not only is it a lot, but it, it, like, in a sense, it can be, like, almost an obsession. Because you're like, okay, I got to, like, for me, I'm like, I got to get everything planned by this time. I got to right. do this. I got to do that. And so, like, I'm supposed to be taking a break from talking about wedding stuff for the month. Oh, okay. I won't, I won't talk about it anymore then. <laughs> no, I was about to say, you can talk about it, but, like. We like came up with an agreement. They're like, you're getting really stressed out of the wedding. We're, we're not going to talk about it. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> I only really lasted five days in February before I texted my fiance. And I was like, hey, I'm working on the reception music. <laughs> I, I got My Chemical Romance, I Prevail, A Day to Remember, like all these rock bands, Macklemore. He's like, I, th I thought you weren't doing anything. And I was like, no, I, I had to do something. I'm like, I can't just not. 
do it. I'm yeah. really stubborn. Especially when there's so much to do. <laughs> yeah. I got married but, five years ago and it was crazy. Like, thankfully, like, I pretty much know everything that I want to do. So now it's just implementing it. And I'm just like, y'all do it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to make centerpieces. I don't want them flowers for my bridesmaid. You, you just... You guys do that. Have fun. I'll just sit here and observe. Yeah, he's just outsourcing everything as well. Yeah. <laughs> Pawn it off on friends. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty much why I didn't end up having to make any favors or anything because my dad made wine. Just give this out as favors. I'm like, <gasps> perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. That's like the best party favor. Yeah, everybody loved it. <laughs> Here's free wine. Thank you for coming to my wedding. Mm-hmm. My mom's already joked. She's like, I'm going to make sure that we have your Xanax. <laughs> And we have your other meds and I'm going to make sure you take them. And she's like, I'm already preparing for a meltdown. And then like my maid of honor is like, I got you. My my focus is on you. I'm like, you do realize I'm going to probably have the biggest meltdown. And it's either going to be I'm going to start crying or I'm going to start yelling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I don't know which. And so I feel bad for like my bridesmaids because they don't I feel like they don't really get bipolar. And it's not like, oh, they don't understand. It's just like. If you don't have it and you don't, like, experience firsthand like my mom does or, like, my fiancé does, like my dad does, like, it's really hard to comprehend because you're just like, well, you know, you're just having a mood swing. And you're like, yeah, but it's a little bit more complicated than that, you know? And so not only that, but I just feel bad because, like, sometimes it's just like, I don't know where I'm just, like, angry. And then, like, I've started showing them that side. They're like, you need to put that away. Yeah. Yeah, the anger can get really rough. Yeah. I was about to say, that's that's the biggest mood swing that I normally have been having. But, like, since increasing my dosage, I haven't been. Mm -hmm. But anger was, like, the biggest thing because... In a way, like I kind of have a temper and I keep saying that my poor fiance <laughs> had to deal with it. He'd be like sitting at work and I just like yelling at him because he left a soapy sponge in the sink. I was like, I've told you five times I don't like soapy sponges in the sink. You didn't take the trash out. And so like it, it got to the point to where like I basically coped with it. I would just be like, I would send him a text in the mornings, like on the weekends when I was off and he was working and I'd be like, soapy sponge, dishes, trash. And I'd, I'd just say that. And he's like, all right, I got you. So like we stopped fighting about that. That was my coping mechanism. I'm just going to send you a short list of everything you didn't do. And I'm not going to yell at you. I'm just going to let you know that, hey, these are some things that are bothering. A lot better than writing a book. Yeah, because I'm one of those people that I'm like, I'm not going to say this to you in person because I'm super shy and I get really uncomfortable. But I'm going to text you in this entire novel of exactly how I feel. And it's <laughs> going to make absolutely zero sense to you. But it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's one of the symptoms anyway, that irritability, the kind mm -hmm. of like anger. Because uh, I was talking to my sister the, the other day. She said, oh, I thought that when you're manic, that just means you're really, really happy all the time. Not necessarily. <laughs> no, I'm still like, I'm still learning because like my my baseline was so much in the depression yeah. that I'm just like, to me, I'm like, I'm manic when I'm hyper. Like that's when like, if I get super excited, I'm like, okay, calm down, take it down five notches. Like, no, we're not going that direction. And so it's kind of interesting that you say, like, the irritability and, like, the anger is, like, being manic. I was like, I just thought that was the depression and oh. me lashing out. Hmm. I always considered it to be more of, a, like, a mixed kind of mixed state. state. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I I'm... I'm still a newbie. I don't know much. I don't have any friends that have bipolar, so I'm just like, well, I'm floating in the ocean. Nobody's an expert, right? <laughs> right. But it's just nice to like listen to other people's stories, which is why I really like your podcast because 
like you hear like from all different kinds of people like what they've been through and it's been really helpful except today I was like sitting there and like having a conversation with myself I was like all right I'm gonna say this I'm gonna say that I'm like you gotta listen to music because you can't be listening (laughs) to a podcast and planning out what you're gonna be saying in about 10 hours (laughs) yeah well I mean no pressure it's not yeah deal it's just me I know (laughs) I was really excited is there anything to talk about or um like I mean we could sit here for hours and I could be like well I went through this (laughs) and I went through that I'm like I I started that on my blog and then mm-hmm. like I was oh, going that's through right. Um yeah. where where can we find your blog at? Um it's weaving through life dot blogspot dot com. And then I also have an Instagram which is weaving, which is W E A V I N underscore through T H R U life. And it's the same with the um website. It's weaving T H R U life. Yeah, just Warning, there's a lot of explicit content. Uh, you use cuss words a lot. Oh, that's the best kind, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a two-month project that I was like, yeah, I'll write, I will document my daily life with bipolar. I really want to create a vlog, too, because I feel like typing, I'm like, you don't get my, my humor and all this stuff. And, like, I'll go off on tangents about random things that make no sense. Actually, no, the last one. Tangent I went off on made sense because I'm really big into like comic books. And so I saw there was a petition to make Joker gay. And I was like, really? What? I was like, I know. I was like, but Joker's been around since the beginning of Batman. Like, why, why are we, we going to change this now? Make another character if you want to have a gay character. Make it make yeah. a character then. <laughs> like, on this little rant I posted on my Instagram, I was like, if you want to make somebody gay, make Batman gay. I was like, that would make more sense. He flies around with a cape and, you know, Robin ran around in his underwear. So, you know, kind of questionable costume choices. So You should. You should sort him. Yeah. Yeah, it's just finding the right camera and everything. Because I was thinking about doing a podcast myself, and I was like, I'm going to run out of things to talk about. <laughs> That's why I have other people on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I could just have guests on. And I was like, That's really complicated. I could just do a vlog and like annoy people with myself. That sounds like fun. <laughs> it does sound so, like fun. Well, yeah. when you start it, you're going to have to send me the link so that I can yeah. check it out. Yeah, I definitely will. Thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank, thank you for having me. Like, it was it was really nice to talk to you. It was, it's nice to, like, tell somebody my story that doesn't know me. Yeah. All right. Well, anytime that you want to come back on, you're welcome. Okay, perfect. Okay. I'll probably message you every now and then and be like, hey, <laughs> let me update you with my life. All right. Great. All right. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. And thanks, Brittany, again, for being on the podcast and for sharing your story. And thanks to everybody who's come on the podcast and shared their story. I really appreciate all of you. And it takes a lot of, you know, guts to come out and and, uh, talk about your most personal things on the internet and on a podcast. I wanted to say if there's anyone who maybe doesn't want everybody to know um, what's going on. You can always come on and be anonymous or you can always write in and be anonymous so your voice isn't even on the air. You know, again, it's just another option for you. But I just want to give everybody an opportunity to share if they want to. And I wanted to give you guys a heads up. I'm in the process right now of trying to put together a kind of a little series about mental illness behind bars, essentially. And I'm looking to get those 
podcast to start coming out probably next week, maybe the week after that. So look out for that. And I think you'll really, if not enjoy it, at least, you know, be edified by it. (laughs) It's an important topic. I was going to say fascinating. It's not so fascinating as much as it is important. And it's a necessary discussion that we need to have in, well, in this country and in everywhere. So I hope that you guys will stay tuned for that. And I hope that you're excited as I am for it. (laughs) And with that, uh, you can reach me at that B word at stonefruitmedia.net or on Twitter at that B word one. You can find me on Facebook at that B word pod. And I'm on Pinterest as well. If you search that B word podcast and you can find all of my previous episodes at thatbword.stonefruitmedia.net. And again, guys, please rate, review, subscribe. That's the way that the podcast will grow and hopefully reach more people. So I really appreciate it. Appreciate everybody who's done that already. And if you could just take a couple of minutes and just log on to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast and just quickly click a star or write a little review would be much appreciated all right guys well thanks so much for listening and i will talk to you next week okay bye